Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. You are listening to Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. And we're streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and I am so happy to be with you again on another wonderful Monday. Uh, for anybody who had to, or anybody who is on the road right now, then you are probably doing pretty good because traffic was a lot lighter today uh, on this Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, I don't know if that's what it's called here in Chicago just yet, but uh, we're working on it, uh, and that's, that's what I'm going to refer to it as. And uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. But, alhamdulillah, all praise be to God. We are here on another Monday. Uh, always are grateful for your presence. And our brother Ibrahim Beg, he mentioned something very important uh, in the news brief. And that is the upcoming Radio Islam uh, dinner. And I wanted to just add a little bit to that. First of all, this dinner is unlike any dinner we have had, right? And this dinner, you are going to be getting, you're going to be getting the opportunity to benefit and support four different efforts, four different truly uh, beneficial efforts. And the first thing is, our keynote speaker is Professor John Esposito, who has been a longtime ally of Muslims, uh, a voice that has showed its uh, multiplicity, its variance, its depth, and um, our ticket, once you get your ticket, you'll see on it, it says, uh, we are honoring a staunch ally in Professor John Esposito. So that's the first thing. He's also serving as our keynote speaker. Next thing, your presence at this event, it is also supporting the rollout of a text crisis line. Now, we're going to get more uh, in-depth with that. Actually, we'll have some folks on uh, with God's permission later on in the week to talk a little bit more about that uh, as we get as the date for the dinner comes closer. Uh, the next thing is the A for Arab uh, exhibition, which is the uh, art ex exhibition, which is the product of the, I mean, just uh, another true giant, uh, Dr. Jack Shaheen, who, um, who actually uh, returned to Allah. He passed this past July. And he dedicated decades to fighting stereoty uh, stereotypes of the uh, Arab community uh, in Hollywood. So this art exhibition is going to be on display at this at the dinner at the Radio Slam dinner. And I said four things, right? So what's the fourth thing? Can anybody tell me what the fourth thing is? Anybody remember? No. Okay, it's okay. I remember. So the fourth thing is. You get to come and have a, a great dinner with us, right? Radio Islam. That's the fourth thing. No, the fourth thing is that your presence there, it allows Radio Islam to expand uh, and strengthen its footprint uh, to increase our voice. We have a lot of new, uh, we have new programming that we have uh, been putting together. Uh, they are expanded efforts. And your presence, quite frankly, it allows us to go into, the, uh, into those things with a sense of, uh, of completion in mind, not just beginning, but beginning and sustaining those things. So those are the four things, and we're looking forward to you joining us on Sunday, November 12th at Ashton Place. Now, 
I want to share something very quickly with you all, not to go into a deep rant, um, because the story that I wanted to share with you was actually my travel story. So I hope you all had a great weekend. And, uh, you know, if you did it, hopefully it's getting better. Your week is going to be a great week. So I did some traveling this weekend. I was at a conference uh, in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. And what I have found out, first of all, is that the closest airport to Springfield, Massachusetts is Bradley International Airport. It is not Logan International Airport, which I had the pleasure of flying into. So um, remember this. I wrote up a little list. Signs that your travel plans have gone horribly wrong. First thing, when your Uber ride to the airport is longer than your flight in, That is a sign that your travel plans have gone horribly wrong. Second thing, when you go to rent a car at stall after stall, from Avis to Enterprise to Hertz to Budget to National, everybody is out. No one has a car. Okay? And that's in the surrounding area also. So that's that's the second thing. Third thing, when no one around has heard of your hotel. That's not an inspiring feeling. Um, you know, just does not make you feel good. You start thinking about that Tom Hanks movie uh, where he actually had to stay in the airport. Uh, I can't remember what the name was, but he, he was in the airport for like a month or something like that. Last thing is, and this is totally hypothetical, this, this last thing, so I don't want you all to, to run with this, but if you were to find a car available and the agent were to ask you well how bad do you want it um (laughs) i'm not gonna i won't i won't go all the way down there but needless to say um my weekend at least my travel my travel uh it it was something it was something i will not soon forget so uh shout out to the uber drivers in uh in boston that were willing to take me from Logan to Springfield for that hour and a half ride. Uh, much appreciated. Folks, pay attention to your travel arrangements. Uh, don't leave anything to chance. That's my, that's my message for you today on Monday. So we're going to get into our, uh, into our show uh, in just a moment. And I want to remind us, I actually shared a hadith last Friday, which I think is worthy of repeating. And it was uh, reported by, uh, by Aisha, uh, may Allah be pleased with her, that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa uh, prayers and peace be upon him, who said that kindness is not added to a thing, but it beautifies it, and it is not taken away from a thing, but it degrades it. Um, so let's just be, be mindful of, of being kind. Uh, that's just tremendously important. So no, no long sermon on that. Uh, we have in studio with us today, um, very very pleased to have uh, this gentleman, this brother in with us. Uh, brother Aaron Aron, right? Say it right. Aron uh, Sirot Lira. Did I say that wrong? Yera. Yera? Yeah. Okay, Yera. See, right? Aron Sirot Yera. Uh, Esquire, people. Esquire. Uh, he is the legal aid specialist and organizer with Iman. And uh, he comes to Iman with many years of experience uh, as a civil rights attorney a community activist, college professor, and law teacher. From 2010 until 2015, uh, Mr. Yera 
worked as a, uh, as a litigator, uh, as well as a legislative staff attorney with the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund. While there, he worked on various federal impact litigation cases, including filing suit against the state of Indiana and Governor Mike Pence, yay, over a statewide anti-immigrant law. Uh, he also worked on helping draft Illinois temporary visitor's driver's license uh, law and on in-state financial aid bill for DREAM students. That is awesome. Uh, I, I will. One second. In addition, he has taught several Latino classes, uh, Latino studies courses at St. Xavier University over the past decade, and the last two years was spent teaching law to high school students in the Chicago Public Schools. Mr. Siebert Yetta holds a B.A. in Raza Studies, that's Latino Studies, from San Francisco State University, an M.A. in Interdis Interdisciplinary Studies from DePaul University. Uh, shout out to DePaul. Uh, we got a lot of love for DePaul. Uh, and a J.D. from Loyola University's uh, Chicago School of Law. And another shout out for Loyola, one of my uh, good brothers over there. Uh, he lives in southwest suburbs with his son and is an avid Blackhawks fan. Uh, and when I pressed him on that earlier, he said that means that he was there in 03 when, well, it was just like 12 of y'all, right? <laughs> just about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, now, you, you know, you, now you can't get in. Uh, you know, it's going to cost your arm and a leg just for standing room tickets. But Iman, uh, as my brother uh, Ibrahim mentioned, Iman, if you are not familiar with Iman, that I'm going to give you a pass if you are listening to this on podcast um, like the next day or whatever, and you're listening from, say, you know, we got people that are downloading from uh, in South Africa or Belgium or whatever. I'll give you a pass if you don't know who Iman is. But if you're in Chicago, uh, Chicago, Iman has been a uh, fixture in the, uh, in the, the community landscape, uh, not only Muslims but interfaith work, uh, community work in Chicago, and that is Inner City Muslim Action Network. Uh, and they're located right off of 63rd and California, uh, I think between California and Fairfield. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, and they, they've been doing some dynamic work. And uh, Aron is a part of, of the team that has, uh, you know, that continues to give uh, to that community. And, and, and basically, if you're Muslim, make you look good, right, when you say you're Muslim. So, alhamdulillah. We are very pleased to have you in the studio with us, uh, brother. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. So you have done, uh, you've done quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know when we when we initially uh, talked, uh, and let me, uh, we're going to keep an eye on time because what happens is is uh, the time just goes by on us so much. So, but anyway, when we first uh, sat down and talked, one of the things that I was really um, uh, kind of stricken with was how we have certain faces that we associate with Islam, you know, in in particular in Chicago, not necessarily just around the world, but in Chicago. Right. And a part of that, uh, which means is that sometimes there are faces that are excluded or overlooked, right? So the Latin X, that's the, is that the, the term, the, 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 the proper term or the academic or the social it's yeah it's kind of kind of term it's kind of it's gaining a lot of kind of foothold right now. yeah especially i'd say in the last year i've noticed it's being used a lot more yeah so but in terms of that representation in uh in islam uh you know within the the, the muslim community it's not one that is um that is often seen um but you told me some really interesting things um well first why do you think that is 
uh, and not giving anything declarative, but just your own, you know, your own perceptions of that. As far as why it's not seen, a community not seen as much, or yeah, that's 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 not really the. It's not yeah, it's not seen by. It's not really seen by. I don't want to say by everybody, right? Because once again, that kind of a ridiculous statement. But it's not. Um, do you feel, what do you feel like? What do you think about the representation? I think that's probably a better a better question. How do you feel that uh, that as segment of the community is represented? I think a lot of it just goes back to a general issue that exists in the community, and that's of. You go to most messages, and they're not representative of the community. It's the same people in leadership. It's not representative of, a lot of times, younger generation. It's not representative, a lot of times, of, say, non-Arab and non-Desi populations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that I've lived in four different cities. Chicago is also the city I've seen that that's easily the most segregated. So yeah. partly these communities take on a life of their own in that sense. They follow what the city is like. So when you... Go to the south side, people be like, oh, that's the African-American message. You go to the other one, oh, that's the Arab message. Oh, that's the Desi message. Oh, they get the Bosnian message. We've got these messages that are all just kind of very cultural as far as their makeup. But you can't always blame the community. It's just a lot of times immigrants will follow other, you know, other people that from their village or their city or their family and live together in the same areas just for comfort. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Latino population has really, you know, Latino Latino population has found that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston does have the first Spanish, not always Spanish speaking. They do have Spanish speaking and do English as well. Mm-hmm. A message in, in West Houston. Um, I know they they number. I think they count their numbers up to like a thousand wow, members that, that that it's come beautiful. that come at different times and come to that message. Um, I've heard people also, I was in a conversation with someone over the last year where they were speaking out against it, saying, well, why are they building that? To then further segment themselves into their, their own little community. And I know for myself, having been Muslim, subhanAllah, I just realized that. I, I totally bypassed it. I, I usually do something. I totally realized. I just forgot. Three days ago was my... The anniversary of my shahada. Oh, alhamdulillah. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just realized. I totally forgot about it. Uh, it was three days ago, October 6th. That was 13 years. I've been okay. Muslim. And I've just noticed in that time, too, I, I, I've gone through different levels of participation in the masjids where it's come to the point where I live in Bridgeview. Mm-hmm. My son goes to school right there across from the masjid. But I don't go to the masjid that often. I just, it's... I will go to many messages now where it's not an outward not feeling welcome mm-hmm. because I pass more for being Palestinian or Syrian or you know than I do for actually being Mexican. Mm-hmm. Most people I get that all the time. Oh, you don't look Mexican, which people don't realize is an extremely insulting thing to say to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but I've had it said to me my entire life. Yeah. Oh, you don't look Mexican. People have the stereotype in their head of what someone would look like. When you go there, when I visit my family down there, which is most of my family lives there, mm-hmm. everyone just, you know, unless I'm in a resort town, nobody bats an eye in speaking to me in Spanish. Right. Because I look like most of my family and pretty much you know, a lot of other people you see. But I think there's that level of comfort that people don't always have. You just walk into Masjid, you don't always feel like if you have issues, that people are going to really listen to your issues. If you're looking for, you know, <sighs> You know, I can go back to when I first embraced Islam, mm-hmm. and I was at DePaul, and I was going to school at DePaul, and it was like I was given two tracks. Mm-hmm. I had the Arab track, 
and then all my friends or you know if i was gonna get married at that point everything that was that route or I had the daisy track and it was really it wasn't it wasn't even me creating that i saw the groups as far as how people would hang out how um people would even take in some of the new muslims and sometimes it'd be like oh this person's you know they're, they're uh, like they'd ask me like which med head do you follow and that was a question to me one time really I'd been Muslim for like three weeks <laughs> you know I, I embraced Islam ten days before Ramadan so I'm sitting here thinking man this is my first time ever fasting for an entire month right. I'm more worried about that and the pizza <laughs> I'm about to eat in about three hours than the med head I'm following right. but then the thing that shocked me is like they were like well so and so is following this med head and I'm looking like I'm gonna give a, a quick a quick oh, sure. uh, definition for any of our non uh, non-Muslim who don't know what Methab Methab is basically just a school of thought, right? So, uh, like in, in Christianity, you know, you have uh, Baptists and Pentecostal and Protestants. Um, it's it's very it's very similar uh, to that. That's the simple explanation of it. Okay, sorry about that. No, don't worry. And um, but I noticed how right away they had chosen this the Methab for this new convert. Oh, we we actually embrace Islam the same week. Right. And I saw this and thought, you know. Now that I've been Muslim for 13 years, alhamdulillah, I, I, I see it as an issue as well. Not just that, the general consensus that, and there's Muslims who I know who have been Muslim for you know, 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear them say, it doesn't matter how long I've been Muslim, I'm still introduced as so-and-so, the convert. Or the convert. Or, you know, this person has been Muslim for 35 years, and they're still, oh, so-and-so's a convert. Mm. And I've found in certain communities and certain groups that I'll be around that that's always kind of the prevalent um, theme that goes along with that. I mean, people come up to you, too, and, and, and have no issue asking, oh, how did you convert? You're like, I don't even know your name. Right. And you're going to ask me something personal about how I convert. It's like, that's a pretty personal story. Right. And you understand some of where it comes from, the excitement some people get. But then also, they don't, people don't realize how much they're prying, you know, um, so I think it's just a lot of times people will have that sense of culture, that sense of community, and may look down upon other groups that want that mm-hmm. and not realize you are kind of coming from a position of uh, you know, being a little bit kind of uh, you know, not understanding the situation someone's in, mm-hmm. not being able to have that community. that they That's something that they enjoy, something that they feel comfortable having. Mm-hmm. So what what I mean then is to get, you know, come, come full circle with this is that you do see people a lot of times who end up embracing different cultures that are Muslim cultures because it's sometimes looked down upon that, well, you can't really keep your culture anymore. Mm. You can't keep things of your culture. You can't do that. You can't eat these foods. Or you can't listen to music. You definitely can't dance. You can't do any of the things you used to do. Here, you got some new cultures you can choose from. Here, here's a galabiya and a kufi. You can wear this and here's this and okay, now you're, or whatever. Here's a shalwa kamis and yeah. This is your new culture. Yeah, there's, there's a definite hegemony. There's a hierarchy um, yeah. th- uh, th- that exists. And um, I-, I can relate to what you're saying because I have been asked, uh, I have been asked that very same thing uh, on, on different occasions. You know, people who don't know me, uh, how long have you been Muslim? Uh, you know, uh, where you're, and I say, well, you know, my entire life. Or where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> no, no, but where were you from before that? Yeah, you know, uh, and and I think to your to your point, it's not always about people uh, assuming the worst, but it's just simply uh, kind of avoiding or ignoring that Islam, uh, in particular, 
it has it has roots everywhere in in the world. Right. You know, in, in different expressions, it doesn't look the same. So I, I find that very uh, very interesting, especially the thing about the language, because I remember when I went to Puerto Rico, uh, and I put on that that big uh, Panama uh, jack, that Panama hat. Yeah. And as soon as I put it on, everybody spoke Spanish to me. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I thought that was really interesting. So it gave me a chance to, you know, work with my, work with my uh, Spanish. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, hmm. so just in terms of community, uh, you think that you think that people move out to establish their own because they basically don't find a place for them that represents who they, who they are culturally well i've seen all um all levels i think as far as where people will go you know if, if maybe they go full out as far as a new culture right or maybe they embrace it a little bit or maybe they take little bits and pieces or some for some people like myself it was growing pains yeah. you know i remember my mom telling me a couple of years ago and she was she told me she said you know the first couple of years of you being muslim you were miserable to be around wow because I was just, everything was haram or against Islam. Everything, I, know, I was in my mom's house and I'm telling her, you can't do this, you can't. And, and when I look back, I'm like, man, what was I thinking? What, what in the world was I thinking? And right. she's right. Yeah. And it was having to find this comfort level where I could come back and be myself, embrace parts of my identity that were very important to me, mm-hmm. and still be Muslim. And you're going to have people that are going to look at you differently and think, oh, that's 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 against Islam. Or, I mean, even if I go to my, visit my family in Mexico, mm-hmm. and I remember going with with uh, my ex-wife, and um, she was very weirded out by beforehand, even saying, "Are you going to be like hugging and kissing your female cousins?" And I said, "They're family. They're like my sisters. We don't marry our first cousins, so it's not like right. it's not weird to me. It's not like I'm looking like." Look at them like I'm like looking like we grew up together, mm-hmm. and if I didn't, they're gonna look at me like, "What's wrong with you?" Right. Like we've known each other for thirty plus years. Right. You're not even gonna just greet me like we normally greet, and there's nothing at all that's gonna be a connotation at all that could go beyond just being a family, like a, you know, a friendly embrace. Mm-hmm. And you're almost at a point where you look at yourself and like, "Man, my culture's like got some issues with it. I shouldn't be as into my culture anymore. I need to give that up." And I got to the point where it's like even now when I go to work, you know, there's days where I show up in shirts that are like today, you know, I'll show up in sh- shirts that I've bought in Mexico. And some people will be like, when I wear a beta, which is a very traditional um, Caribbean, Mexican, I mean, but all throughout Central America and even South America shirt that has a few pockets, you know, two on the bottom, two on the top. And people are like, oh, it'll make fun. Look at all those pockets. And you're just like, you know, this is part of my culture. Mm. You know, it's not a, something you're making fun of. I'm not making fun of you. But people look at it and it's just like you I, – I try at this point now to really exert more of my identity because I'm just like this is who I am. This yeah. is where I'm happiest. It took me a long time to get back to here. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of growing pains. And and it's just uh, – you know, I think that's what other communities are definitely trying to do. I think when you go to Houston and you see the fact that this very large Latino, you know, Latino, Latino community down there um, full of all different backgrounds – that they're just looking for somewhere that's comfortable, where they can be themselves, where they have, uh, they can speak a common language or share foods. And that's all I see when I see that. I don't think, oh, man, look, they're trying to segment themselves away from the other community. Because they have members of their their masjid also that are not, you know, from the, from that are from different backgrounds as well. Right. Right. 
So in Mexico, um, what is something, because, you know, you, you've taught as well around this, you know, subject of, what are some of the things that would surprise people about Islam in Mexico? The love of Jesus is definitely one of them. You hear a lot of, um, you know, when I was doing my, my master's research at DePaul, the research I was doing was on Latino Muslims back then. Okay. Um, and what you would learn and see when, you, you know, and even now when I've talked to people who are, who are Latino, Latina, and, and Muslim is that a lot of them be like, you know, that was one thing. And then when I learned the reverence for Jesus and Islam, I had no more issues. Like, I was able to, to, to fully accept Islam and realize that, oh, I don't have to stop loving Jesus like I did before. Right. There's the same reverence and same, you know, held almost in the same manner, a little different, but also revered and looked up to. And um, I think that was definitely one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest ones I've seen with my own family is when people in my family, it's been more than one, who've asked, like, so, this Allah that you pray to, and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> Allah just means God in Arabic. Right. <laughs> if you're Jewish, if you're, I mean, you're not even using Arabic, or if you're Christian, you say Allah, it's the same. It, it, it just means God. It's not a different God. Mm. But the perception a lot of people had was that, well, I was praying to a different God now. And, I, and that's really one of these huge misconceptions as well. Um, and I think one of the things about Islam and about what I've seen with the Muslim family unit, uh, a lot of times in Mexico, you know, that's I can speak for, for my, because that's where my family is from, is that I've seen like a breakdown of the family unit. I've seen a lot less of my cousins getting married and having kids or even having kids out of wedlock. Things that were just 20 years ago you never would have seen. Mm. But now have become almost the norm. I think some people look at that and think, you know, man, I kind of miss having that family unit, that family structure. And they see the importance of family in Islam and start to, start to look at it like, wow, look, it's got a lot of things that I, I believed before. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to give up carnitas, which is you know, pork, right. or maybe little things like that. Like, okay, I can give that up. You know, for me, I was vegetarian for eight years before I became Muslim. Oh, so you, you were ready. <laughs> yeah, but then I started eating meat again right. once I embraced Islam because I started to go all these iftars and everyone's right. just like, here, throwing meat on your plate. And like, some oh. goat and some lamb. And I don't even like lamb or goat, so (laughs) plates would go back all the time with meat still on. I'm like, I I just, I don't, I'm not used to it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think that that those are probably, those are some of the main things that I've seen. Um, But there is also a, there is a a, a, a Islamic presence in Mexico. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I actually have... I still have some. I had bought some stuff before because one of the brothers that used to work in him, a brother by the name of Alberto, years ago, used to work there. And, mm-hmm. uh, he would actually import some of the hijabs and some of the honey that there's some communities, indigenous communities in, in the Chiapas region, um, which I have an uncle that, who lives down there. And um, you have some villages, entire villages of indigenous Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd be coming from you know, Mayan backgrounds and, and different, different indigenous backgrounds who the whole villages, the whole groups have, have embraced Islam. I mean, you have masjids, you have, you know, they have their own, like, Zabiha butchers, they have, they make their own furniture, really amazing. I've got a friend who, who uh, she goes down there, actually, and does a lot of work um, in, in taking um, supplies and taking a lot of donations and doing a lot of work down there. Um, and you've seen, you know, they're growing there. You still see some pockets in, in Guadalajara and Mexico City, which are the two largest cities. I remember being in Guadalajara probably five, six years ago with my ex-wife, and we were walking around with, with our, our son, and we were at the 
we were just standing by a bus stop waiting for my cousin to pick us up. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I saw a woman in hijab walk to the bus stop, so I'm waiting for the bus. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> that just came out of nowhere. And we're in the middle of Walakar, it's the city I grew up going to, and they had fam- tons of family in. Right. And you, there is a definite presence now. You see more of it. There was always a presence as far as a Lebanese presence. Right. More Lebanese Christian, though. You know, a lot, lot of, like, early turn of the 20th century, you had a lot of people coming from the Levant, coming to Central America, South America, Mexico. I mean, to the point you have Carlos Salim, Carlos Slim, second richest man in the world. Mm-hmm. Owns a lot of the telephone lines in Mexico. He's Lebanese background. Salma Hayek is half Lebanese. Shakira is half Lebanese. Mm-hmm. You have other leaders, who, former presidents in Central America who have been Lebanese background. So it's, it's been, you know, they've had that presence for 100 years about. Um, but you're seeing a growth for sure in, in Muslim communities. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Folks, we are um, having a conversation with Aaron Siebert Yera. You got it. See, you hear that? You hear that? The man is skilled. No, uh, but yes, we're, we're talking. He is the uh, legal counsel for Iman. Uh, I always, you know, I'm always making sure that you know we get titles correct. It is very important. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to give us a call, that is uh, our number is three one two seven five zero one one seven eight. That's three one two seven five zero one one seven eight. Our Facebook page is open for those of you who are on Facebook. Feel free to post if you got a question or a comment you'd like to have interjected into the conversation. But we're going to take a very short break, and we'll be back with you in just a moment. This is Radio Islam. Traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. May the peace that only God can give be with you, be on you, be in you, around you, uh, the whole thing, right? So uh, you are listening to Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. If you're streaming, you are streaming on www.wcev1450.com. Uh, remember, folks, RadioIslam.com is up, but the link to listen to stream, it is not active right now. We are adding, we're, we're doing some updating uh, for the website, but it is still up and available for you to look at things like articles, um, blog entries, uh, there are also guest bios and there's a, a pictures and tons of other information on there that uh, that you have access to even as we are updating and, and doing some retooling there. But if you want to stream for those of you who are listening to us on the AM, if you want to stream www.wcev1450.com for those who are on social media, make sure that you are following us on Twitter. And on Instagram with the same handle, that's at Radio Islam USA. And Facebook is just Radio Islam. Simple as that. Very simple. Radio Islam. Make sure that you like the page and you can keep up, uh, keep up to date with us. And this episode will be available on, podca- on podcast as all of our episodes are the following day, usually around noon. And that's going to be on SoundCloud where we're also at Radio Islam. So follow us there, uh, share it with your friends, you can comment. We're always looking to, to get some feedback uh, from you, the Radio Islam family, our listeners, uh, and let us know what you think. So that being said, we have in studio with us Aron Sibat Yera. He is legal counsel with uh, Iman, which is the Inner City Muslim Action Network, a staple in the Muslim community, uh, known for their activism, uh, and their community work, uh, just it, it does embody the uh, the prophetic uh, spirit of, of serving the community, being of service. So uh, that being said, we've had some 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 good conversation up to this point, and now we want to kind of shift and talk about some of the work that you do in your official capacity. You've told us, uh, sure, yeah, gave us some of your other perspective, but in your official capacity, the work that you're doing with the man. What are some of the what are some of the, the the main efforts that you are engaged in right now? Well, one of the things that we're really trying to push right now is that um, there's there's something called the Illinois Violent Registry Fairness Act, mm-hmm. and what this is is it requires certain violent offenders uh, to register their names, addresses, um, recent photos, and they have to actually go and that's put into a database, similar to what people might be familiar with with the sexual predator uh, acts and registration acts you've seen that went around the entire country within the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the state of Illinois, really, they say is that individuals included on the registry are included solely by virtue of their conviction record, Illinois state law, and proof the offense was not sexually motivated. Okay, why this is important is that what's, what you've seen happen is that people are facing inadvertent hardships, really. There's some things like if, if you have two people on the, who are registered, are seen together, are found together, that could be enough reason to put the person back in. Right. And... You have a lot of people in these communities. You go to the south side, west side, especially Chicago. If you look at Cook County to see how many people are actually signed up for the, this act, and signed up underneath this act, it just it's like a, the amount of hits you see of people that are on it. When you go to Cook County, it's just like that. You know, like seventy, eighty percent of the people who are, who are signed up are in Cook County. Mm-hmm. It's more than likely you're going to have a situation where you're going to be with someone that you know, 
and this situation could happen where you could go back and go back in. And the problem is we look at recidivism rates that people talk about, which is the likelihood that someone goes back to prison. A lot of times these recidivism rates don't occur because someone's going back to prison for a new offense. Right. They're going because they maybe violated their parole or something like this with it, with this registration act. They're found to have violated that. And that's you see a very high percentage of people that go back in because for those reasons, not for new crimes. Um, and what does it, what this is doing is that what we want to see happen is that you would really allow registrants to challenge the accuracy of the information that's placed within the registry, allow them to petition for early removal. If they can show, look, that they, they're an exemplary conduct within their community. They're doing good. They're trying to to live a better life. And they're not a lot of times being given this opportunity. We see a lot of times when people come out and are returning citizens, they aren't given almost sometimes ever another chance because uh, you don't see the see the difference as far as we should be rehabilitating people but we're not a lot of times we're sending them to prison and then they are being really for the rest of their lives punished for a lot of times for most people a mistake that they've made you know right. and what we really want to do is also develop a mechanism for data that could measure what the impact really is of the violent, violent registry that's having on people that are having to sign up for this and then also a waiver of a registration fee because what happens is when you come out, you're supposed to sign up right away and you're expected to pay a fee right when you've come out. You're not working yet. Right. A lot with of times, what? With what? A lot of times it can be hard to get a, get a place to live, get a job. You can't get loans to go to school. You've got to pay out of pocket. You know, so if there's a lot of issues with this and we're, we're trying to really work to, to push this downstate just to get some amendments, not get rid of the act, get some amendments to the act to make it more fair. Do, uh, do you know who were the sponsors for that? That's right now. We we got a veto session coming up, so we got we're trying to work on on now veto session, but also you know if if we're un, unfortunate if we're unable to get it, mm-hmm. in at that point we're trying to, to really we're just starting to kind of start pushing okay. this. So okay. um, th- this is one thing we're just starting to try to push uh, this month and next month. And if that is not successful, we're definitely going to be going full force also in the next session. Okay. Well, you know what? I think that's awesome uh, that you all are engaged in that. And I think uh, the language, in particular, returning citizens, um, using this type of language, it, it takes away this, uh, this demonization. You know, uh, it, it, it is really, if the idea of our, uh, our justice system is to is to is to ensure that justice is is, is you know is administered uh, and people go to prison to pay a debt to society when they come out then the debt should be paid right so uh, I think you know I'm one who pays attention uh, close attention to language so I'm glad to see that and I don't know if I've heard anybody other than a man using that particular language uh, in terms of returning citizens and I hope that that's that's something that's picked up you know um, you know just in a broader in, in, in broader usage so uh, that's great. That's but great. I, I can attest to the fact that I work with people who are returning citizens, and mm-hmm. these are some of the you know kindest people you will come across. Yeah. People get caught up in, 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 in stuff when they're when they're young, when they're teenagers, or they're just past seventeen and eighteen, mm-hmm. and make a mistake. Like people make in many different communities, yet in certain communities, they will end up paying for that mistake for the rest of their life and never get another chance to really start life new. You know, yeah. fresh. Yeah, the difference between them and many other folks is simply that they got caught. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, we definitely, uh, please keep us updated and however definitely. we're able to uh, to support and just get the word on on that. 
uh, definitely want to make sure that that's successful. So yeah, good, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, anything else coming up? Um, you know, anything else that you got in the fire right now? It looks yeah. like you, <laughs> you got a lot of dishes on the stove at the same time. Definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to that. I'm a single father. I got, you know, work. I coach my son's soccer team. I've been always juggling a lot of, okay. a lot of things at one time, but yeah, I'm kind of yeah. used to it. Yeah. Um, definitely trying to what my goal really in, in, in the long term for, for Amen, that's why I want people to know as far as what our vision is, is that as we have the health clinic, which is rapidly expanding, which we, you know, it, it has now seen thousands upon thousands of, of, of patients every single year mm-hmm. and is it, getting you know, a lot of accolades for the wonderful work that, that is being done there. Rightfully so. The, the long-range goal would be for, for me to, inshallah, start also a legal clinic in a similar uh, fashion as far as the medical clinic. Okay. Um, so to start with that would be start small. Once a month, do a legal clinic with get volunteer attorneys and bring them in and, and but really try to find out and that's what I'm trying to do now is try to find out what are the important issues what are the issues that people really need support with in the community and one of these issues that we've heard about and especially in, in within the you know the south and the west side of, of Chicago is that you've got a lot of people in the Muslim community who are passing away intestate meaning without a will and especially if someone comes from a non-Muslim family mm-hmm. and say something as simple as what some people might think is just very simple. Oh, I'm, I'm Muslim. Of course I'm going to be buried as a Muslim. Mm-hmm. That's not always so simple if you come from a non-Muslim family and your family's saying, well, no, we're going to do it as far as our family would, would like to. And we're going to give them a Christian burial. Right. Well, if there's no will, you're kind of out of luck as far as what, what's going to happen. And you know, when, 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 if, if the, the unfortunate occurs... So we're trying to look for a way that, you know, and I'm wanting to make sure that we are addressing needs that would a lot of people would, would you know, so definitely would look for the feedback that people would be saying, hey, look, yeah, we do need support with that. So I can set that up and have a clinic where I bring in volunteer attorneys and help people work on, on wills and also help people work on other issues, too, that you, we see in, 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 in the community where we're located, um, seeing issues as, as emergency uh, powers of attorney, Different issues that that uh, that you see in, in these communities that some communities might not have as much an issue with because, you know, one of the issues you see is that if people have more income or if they're from a different sometimes a higher socioeconomic level, they know another attorney or they know an attorney. They say, right. oh yeah, yeah, you know, my friend or your cousin or, but if you have some some communities where people don't know, they have no one to talk to, no one to ask, they might just find an attorney by seeing an ad on the street. Right. Not the best way to find an attorney. Yeah. So, and it could be very cost prohibitive mm-hmm. um, because that's another thing as far as one of the long range goals for the legal clinic is the reason for that is that you don't have a lot of options for people who are unable to afford an attorney. Right. Especially if you're looking at immigration law and family mm-hmm. and criminal. That's a lot of times where you unfortunately see people who take advantage of, you know, certain people take advantage of people in these communities and prey upon them. Yeah, more vulnerable communities, unfortunately. Uh, Well, I can certainly attest to that um, in my, you know, role as a resident imam of Masjid. uh, That's something, you know, having to perform janazas, which are the the funeral rites. um, You know, I'm trying to be mindful of doing these little translations when we use these uh, Arabic uh, uh, terms. But uh, when performing the the funeral rites, uh, we find out more often uh, than not, unfortunately, that people are passing without a will. Now, sometimes it's the the impact of that 
is lessened when their families are Muslim, just in terms of being able to get, you know, having that those last rites performed. Uh, but in those situations where, you know, like you mentioned, where you might be the only Muslim in your family, uh, this what what this shows. First of all, I'm I'm so happy to, to hear this because this it certainly does feel a need uh, that it is very it is very present. Um, but it also I shouldn't say, but I think it also adds to or it shows that there are some conversations that also need to take place between in those situations where that family uh, member might be the only Muslim. You know what I mean? Right. Where they can uh, get together and and have some uh, have counsel. Um, so I think this is a this is a this is also another another great effort. You coming in with just great ideas today, huh? Okay. <laughs> So what I can, you know, the one thing I do want to ask for too, though, is people to reach out to us and to and me in particular, let me know, hey, we've got interest in this, mm-hmm. so I can move ahead and try to get this sooner than later. And I'll be looking at you know, inshallah, like late November, late November, trying to trying to get something off the ground. Well, I'm not going to delay asking you this. This I normally ask our guests as we're starting to wrap up. Well, we're getting close to it, but I'm going to ask you now. How can people get in touch with you to let you know uh, their interest level, or, or how, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, my email, actually, Eddie Man, is my last name, so Siebert Yetta, so S I E B is in boy E R T hyphen L L E R A. Remember the hyphen, otherwise you won't get to me. <laughs> at Iman Central, I M A N C E N T R A L dot org, so people can feel free to. One email. more time. It's so Siebert Yetta, S I E B E R T hyphen l-l-e-r-a at eman central i-m-a-n central dot org and then shoot me an email any questions you have or concerns or okay all right good stuff good stuff well uh what i'm also going to do is because uh, we're going to take a, a picture I always post that picture uh on radio slime's page i will put your contact info on there if that's okay with you that's fine okay yeah. so yeah that'll be something that hopefully so you say by november um, well, yeah, you're going to be moving really quickly. Yeah. Okay. Well, inshallah, with God's permission, that's something that'll that'll take place, and I think that's going to be of great benefit to to many people. Many inshallah. people. Inshallah. Yeah. Uh, there is something else I'm going to mention or ask about. Um, is there? Are you involved in any type of training as far as because I know uh, Iman works with a large uh, youth population. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you identified or have you been come to uh, approached by any young aspiring attorneys? Uh, well, we have our weekly power hour, which is every Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and that runs at 536. We do a free dinner, 6 to 7 is when we actually have the program. And uh, different people present. I presented a few weeks in a row now, talking to some Know Your Rights trainings, and a lot of them were geared and aimed towards, towards youth. Um, and did have a few people approaching. It's just trying to figure out since this position for me is relatively new and what capacity I'd be able to do that. But I'm definitely open to that because I, I know when I was in law school, that was one of the difficult things was being a Muslim, practicing Muslim in law school. It was very difficult. I didn't have anybody really around who, you know, when people go out, when, when your classmates go out, mm-hmm. they call bar review. Right. They're all going out and they're getting wasted and drinking <laughs> and doing, you're just like, you know, I'm right. going to stay at the library and then I'm going home. But you really want to have some sort of environment where you can meet other Muslim law students or attorneys who could serve as a, as a mentor to you. And that right now, I don't see a lot of still. 
Um, so it's definitely something I would definitely want to do because right. I didn't have the opportunity. So I'm always trying to, to do that for other people. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, there's been there's definitely been interest. It's just figuring out how do I keep someone involved. But right. if someone's got questions about law school or about about being an attorney, I'm completely open to be able to talk to someone you know, about that and being there for someone. Okay, that is awesome. I hope that this is not the last time we see you here, that we are you know, able to get back with you and, and get an update on how things are proceeding, uh, not only with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, the bill, but also with the, um, with the legal clinic. You know? So, Aron, it's been a, a pleasure having you in. Well, thank you very much. Dakalkhet. Yes. Wa'ayakum. Uh, and upon you. And, uh, folks, before we, before we officially get to the closeout, I wanted to bring up just a few other things with regard to our political engagement um, as a community. Uh, and this is particular, uh, this is particular to the Chicagoland area, uh, but it's, I guess, in principle, it should be relevant to you wherever you are listening, uh, is that we should be uh, present and accounted for. Uh, and involved in the political uh, landscape wherever we are. So we have, uh, this past Friday, there was an event for um, uh, Delara Saeed, who is running uh, for a public office, and I believe it is the fifth, um, fifth congressional uh, seat. I will pull that up. But, uh, but she's running for office. So look for that. Keep you know, keep your eyes open. Uh, you'll be seeing there. There'll be a lot more buzz that's coming. Uh, that's coming up with regard to how you can, uh, how you can, uh, not just donate, but be, but be a part of that campaign. Uh, they'll certainly be looking for volunteers. So uh, make sure that you're checking back with us. Uh, check our Facebook page out. Uh, we'll share that information. There's also a, a, a really young go-getter sister, uh, Bushra uh, Amiwala. Uh, a DePaul student, as a matter of fact, uh, who is running for the 13th District uh, Cook County Commissioner seat. Uh, and she came on. Uh, we spoke with her in studio about maybe two, three, three weeks ago. Uh, extremely sharp. Uh, no, you know, was well acquainted with the issues, uh, had positions on them, uh, and just really polished. You would never have thought that this was a, a 19-year-old. Uh, that was in here. I mean, I could only. I wish that I had my daughters in studio that day just to just to watch, you know, just to pay attention to what was going on. Uh, and last but not least, um, this is on the community uh, news side. So uh, there is a for you play for you theater heads for you playgoers. Uh, there is a play which is. What is this? It is scheduled for November 11th. That's a Saturday at 6 p.m. at Chicago State Breaky Theater. That's 9501 South King Drive. And the play is entitled In Spite Of and is written by, you will not believe this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It is written by uh, Zakia Elamine. Does that name sound familiar? Because your host is who? Tariq Elamine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up in the theater. Uh, that I have a, a theater background, uh, lots of plays. And as a matter of fact, I've got a small role in this production. So if you'd like to see uh, and, 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 and find out where the legend was born, uh, come on out. <laughs> come on out oh, on Saturday, November 11th, uh, and that's uh, 6 p.m. And I'm going to give you a quick synopsis uh, uh, just a, a quick 
quick overview of what the play is about. So this, in spite of, it's a story of two families, right? One agonizes over a mother's abuse and neglect of her children, while the other struggles with the effects of negative articles about their performing art school, which is written by a glory-seeking, unethical reporter who's looking to make a name for herself by forcing it to close. So come out and watch these families find healing, support, and ultimately victory as they find strength in each other. So come laugh, be moved, and entertain by a performance you will not soon forget. So that is Saturday, November 11th. Tickets are $25, and you can go to Eventbrite and get your tickets. Just look up In Spite Of. And that's uh, so that's my my announcement for you. And we hope uh, that you will will also see you the next day. Right. That's going to be a busy weekend. We hope that we see you the following Sunday at Ashton Place for Sound Vision uh, Radio Slimes dinner. Uh, it's going to be a busy weekend, but it's going to be a it's going to be an enjoyable, enjoyable one. Uh, inshallah, with God's permission. So our engineer for tonight has been Ramon. Thank you so much, Ramon, over at WCEV. For doing what you guys always do, making sure we come through loud and clear on WCEV1450.com. Our engineer in studio, doing what he always does, making sure that we don't have to do anything but talk. He takes care of everything else. And that is the impressive Ibrahim Beg. Thank you very much. I'm going to get us like some, uh, we're going to get the the whole, like the little drum roll and all that. Right. We get some applause. Uh, we thank once again our in-studio um, guest, Aaron Siebert Yera, uh, with uh, Iman Inner City Muslim Action Network. And we wish them wish them well uh, and pray for their uh, continued success. You got something you want to throw in? We actually have our fundraising dinner on December 2nd. Check it. December 2nd. Okay. So this is the time where, you know, skip that cup of coffee, skip that, uh, put one one day aside or two days aside. Because, um, yeah, it's time to, to get out. And, and these are always great events. So uh, December 2nd, you got November 11th, November 12th, and December 2nd. And we probably probably will be throwing in another because uh, somebody else has something going on, I think. See how you see coming up. Uh, and we'll talk about that tomorrow, inshallah. So uh, the uh, thoughts, the opinions, views expressed of the host and guests are theirs and are not to be construed as positions uh, of Sound Vision. Uh, our producer and host tonight, yours truly, Tariq El Executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we thank you all for spending this hour with us. We look forward to talking with you tomorrow night at the same time, same station. And I leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.